I'm pulling out the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. Okay, so today's topic is one of my favorite topics. Uh, one of my effects that I enjoy most in all of magic. Copying. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of copying and then talk about sort of the um, how, we div- how we divide it up in the color pie. Uh, it is a fun effect that is very popular. Okay, so at the very beginning, we go back to the very beginning, to, to Alpha. Uh, so in Alpha, Richard Garfield made four cards that copied something. So let's start with Clone. So Clone, I think it was an uncommon creature. Uh, it costs three and a blue. Uh, and when it entered the battlefield, you chose a creature. Any creature on the battlefield, yours, somebody else's, doesn't matter. And then the clone became a copy of it. Um, so the idea of a shapeshifter or something that copies the form of other things is pretty established in fantasy. Um, so much so that Richard put it in the very first set. Um, but clone wasn't the only creature that copied things. Uh, at rare, he also had Vesuvian Doppelganger, uh, which cost three blue blue. And it was like a clone, uh, meaning that... Uh, Actually, so I think the way that the Zubin Doppelganger works is at the start of each turn, you get to choose a creature, and then it, uh, the cre- it stays blue, um, and it retains this, the text that lets it change, but each turn you get to turn into something different. So clone is like, I pick it, that's what it is, for the rest of the time the clone is that thing. Um, the Zubin Doppelganger uh, can change each turn. I'm not sure why it stays blue, maybe Richard thought that was a fun, like, you know, you can tell that it's not quite the thing it's supposed to be. Um, what were a clone would copy everything about it. Like once you put a clone on the battlefield, as far as the game's concerned, it's to copy of the thing that you're copying. Um, the only difference is if you put if you put it into another zone, it reverses being a clone. That's the only thing that differentiates it from the thing it's copying. Um, there also was copy artifact, uh, which cost one and a blue, um, and it let you. It, it, it was an artifact that could copy any artifact. Um, so that, I mean, from the very, very early days, you know, Richard sort of said, hey, copying is something you could do. You could copy creatures. Uh, you could copy artifacts. Uh, and there were a lot of powerful artifacts in the game. So copy artifact uh, actually saw some play. Um, and then the fourth copy effect was not in blue. The first three were in blue. Was fork. So fork costs red, red. It's an instant. Well, originally I think it would interrupt. But uh, nowadays it's an instant. Uh, and it copied any spell, any instant or sorcery. Um... So, Alpha did a pretty good job. I mean, Richard sort of said, here's a fun thing. You can copy things. You could copy creatures. You could copy artifacts. You could copy instances and sorceries. Interestingly, um, both copy land and copy enchantment would come later. Um, neither of those were in Alpha. But those were both... Um, I remember when I made Tempest. Um, one of the cards I put in Tempest... Uh, I think it was in Tempest... Copy. Well, one of the sets I did. I'm not, I'm not sure whether it's Tempest or not. Um, I finally made Copy Enchantment because I'm like, how, do we, how have we not made Copy Enchantment? And I made Copy Enchantment. Um, but basically, I, I think what happened was it came out early in the game and it was pretty popular. Now, the thing to remember in early Magic is um, a couple things. One is that early Magic, nowadays, when a set comes out, you have a lot of people very experienced in Magic who spent many years on Magic and even on brand new cards that you can get a much more expert opinion on how good an effect is this. Um, early Magic, like, everybody was a new player. You know, everybody... So, there's certain traits we notice in new players, certain things that they like. Um, and 
So early magic was interesting in that what players got attracted to, I mean, some of it was power, but more of it was this was just a really cool effect. And clone and doppelganger were very popular in the early days. Uh, it just was a neat effect. And um, Blue, for those that might not know their history of Magic the Gathering, was a little overpowered in the early days of Magic. Um, we talk about the Power Nine, which is the five Moxes, Black Lotus, <laughs> and then three blue cards. Uh, Ancestral Recall, Time Walk, and Time Twister. Now, Time Twister, while po- powerful, it's not nearly powerful as either Ancestral Recall or Time Walk. Um, Ancestral Recall lets you draw three cards for one mana. Time Walk lets you take an extra turn for two mana. Um, anyway, early Magic, it was very common for people to play um, Mono Blue. Um, there were a few artifacts, like uh, Neverall's Disc. Um, Blue didn't have a lot of answers to permanence, but Neverall's Disc did. Uh, and so one of the most powerful early strategies was a mono-blue strategy. And not all those decks, but some of those decks would run like Doppelganger. Um, a few might have, might have even run Clone, although Doppelganger was the stronger card, I believe. Um, the, the fact that you could adapt to it and change over time. Um, Anyway, the funny, so my personal story, just to share my little, um, is I opened Clone pretty early. Maybe even, maybe even on the first, the first day I got into, like, first day I ever bought anything, I bought a starter and I think three boosters. Um, and I don't know if I got a clone in that, but very soon after I got more boosters and I think I got a clone. So I saw a clone relatively early and I was fascinated by clone. Uh, I was... Um, maybe this starts my love of copying things. I just, you know, that my little, my little Johnny brain, uh, like one of the neat things about clone effects is they're very flexible, right? That they change every time you use them. Um, and so a lot of effects in magic, like, Hey, they do the thing they do. And every time you play that, that they do that thing. But clone has this open endedness. Um, now given the more constructed the deck and the more consistent, the more often maybe clones cloning the same thing. But in the early days, I really appreciated that the clone, just, like the way I tended to build decks, because I was the Johnny deck builder, is I would build weird, quirky decks, and that the the clone just gave me so many options of weird things to do. Um, you know, back in the day when I was deck building, I wasn't building necessarily singleton decks, but I I was having a lot of variety in my decks and putting a lot of one ofs that did weird things in. Um, and if, for those that don't know, uh, the way I first got in, involved with Wizards of the Coast was I did a puzzle column called Magic the Puzzling. Um, which I did a whole podcast on. Um, I, I wrote it for the Duelist magazine, which I also did a podcast on. Um, anyway, I loved stuff like Clone for that. The, the, the Clone made great puzzle cards because part of what made a good puzzle is you want to hide a little bit what the solution is. So you want to give the you want to give the player a lot of options. Um, and one of the neat things about making a puzzle is you can make weird things true. So a lot of times the thing you clone would not be obvious at first what you would clone. Um, Anyway, out of the gate, in alpha, I, I was hooked. Uh, and now, now it was I hooked. I, I think Magic was hooked. The, the clone and doppelganger and fork, uh, and to some extent, copy artifact, um, were just popular cards. People really liked them. They were a lot of fun. Um, okay, so what happens is um, Arabian Nights and Antiquities don't even have anything in them that copies. There's no copy effects in them. It's not until Legends, uh, and then Legends has Chain Lightning, which technically is a copy effect in the sense that um, it's basically a lightning bolt, but your opponent can copy the lightning bolt. Um, 
And you, 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 and every time you copy it, then your opponent can copy it again. And so you sort of go back and forth on how many times you want to be casting the spell. Somebody has to give up. Um, but the next thing that really was what I was called a true copying spell was not until the dark, Dance of Many. So Dance of Many was the first copy effect that made a token. That the Dance of Many copied, uh, I think it copied a creature, but it made a token out of it. Uh, and that expanded the technology, saying, oh, well, what, you know... Um, before, in Alpha, whenever you copied something, the card that was the copy effect became that thing. The clone or doppelganger became the creature. Copy artifact became the artifact. Um, I guess fork, fork didn't become the spell, but spells already are sort of on the stack. And Anyway, or at the time they weren't on the stack, but you, you know what I'm saying. Um, anyway, it was around that point of Dance of Many that the rules people realized that it was, that there was some messiness. Like, early magic rules were kind of hobbled together. Um, I, I used to joke, it was like with spit and duct tape. Um, and they realized at one point where they were trying to clean things up, um, I assume around 6th edition, that the 6th co- edition rules didn't really hand- handle copying well. Um, so, for example, when we would try to do shapeshifter, like, for example, there's a card, Unstable Shapeshifter, that I did in uh, Tempest. Um, and that was me kind of using other abilities. Like, I was sort of saying, if this is, like, uh, I think that's the first card that looks at stuff in your graveyard. Is that right? No, 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 Oh, I know what it is. It's, it's the card that, it's the copy of whatever the last creature played was. Um, so we, we're definitely messing around in space, but as we try to mess around in that space, the rules people come to us and say, you know what, let's just stop this. Let's just stop doing copy effects, um, it's, it's a problem. And so for a while, there was sort of a moratorium on copy effects. Um, we, we weren't supposed to do them. And in fact, uh, the, the story that comes out of this is in Urza Saga, I think we had gotten a new rule. I don't even remember who the rules manager was. Um, but every time we got a new rules manager, I would go to them and say, hey, let's figure out copying spells. Copying is so much fun. Let's figure out copying spells. Um, and they would spend some time on it, and then they go, eh, too hard, and they would give up. But I think when Urza Saga came out, we had a new rules person. And once again, I apologize. I don't remember exactly who it was. Um, there, uh, in the early days of Magic, we, we, we had a lot of rules managers in the early days. There was Tom Wiley, Beth Morrison, um, uh, Paul Barclay. Anyway, there was a b- bunch. So anyway, one of these people said, I, I said to them, we were making Urza Saga, I'm like, could we bring clone back? And they said, yeah, I think we can. So we made a clone in Urza Saga, and for the art of the clone, we went back to original clone, and it shows two creatures looking at each other, um, and they're identical, right? The idea of the clone is copied this. So we did the same kind of thing. There's this creature, um, and then the only difference is one of them had a little tail to tell that it, it was the shapeshifter. Um, we get the art in, everything's ready to go, and shortly before we're supposed to finish the file, the rules manager comes back to me and goes, I, I, haven't, I haven't cracked it. I haven't solved it. We're going to keep working on it. I haven't solved it, uh, but we can't do it in Urza Saga. But we already had the, the art was in, so we ended up saying, okay, well, it's a shapeshifter. The art shows it's a shapeshifter. So we said, well, what if we just give it a lot of activated abilities so that you had a lot of flexibility to make it different things? So we gave it, you know, you could activate it to make it plus one, minus one, or activate it to make it minus one, plus one, or you get granted flying, or an early version of Hexproof, or you can untap it. 
And that ended up becoming Morphling, which was a very powerful card. Um, now, eventually what happened was um, they did figure out how to do copying. Uh, I mean, copy. I, I think mostly what happened was it generally was a positive thing. Uh, players, like I said, in the early days, Clone and Doppelganger were super popular. Um, and there just was this desire to... Um, there was a desire to start trying to figure things out and make the clone stuff work. Um, eventually what happened was... So, let me talk a little bit about how, how the color pie works. Um, the goal of the color pie is we want differentiation between the colors. Uh, magic is more fun if every color can't do every effect. And then you want colors that have strengths and weaknesses. Um, and more so than anything else, you want to kind of spread out who's doing what. So early on, it was clear that copying was fun. So once, once we kind of got the go-ahead to make more copy effects, uh, in the early days, we weren't, we weren't supposed to do a lot of it. But eventually, it's like, okay, you can make copy effects. Um, so the first thing we realized is it was such a fun effect that we probably want to slice it up a little bit. Um, blue being king of copying made perfect sense. Blue is about trickery and you know, reactive magic. And, like, there's a lot of things that blue does. Um, you know, blue's sneaky. Um, but red is also sort of sneaky and into trick trickery. And um, so we like the idea that red... It felt like if, if there's a secondary color for copying, it should be red. Um, now, blue and red are the spell-centered colors. Like, at one point... There's a big debate whether fork, the effect of fork was supposed to be red or blue. We've made it in both colors. Um, and the idea is kind of like if I make a, a, a fireball or something, or I, you know, I, I make a spell, and I copy my spell to make it more powerful so that I'm copying my own spells and making it bigger, that feels a little bit more blue, where if, you know, you're copying a spell and I copy it, so you want to destroy my creature, so I copy to destroy your creature, that feels a little bit more red. Um that we liked that red was like un- creating unpredictable outcomes and, you know, and sort of that sense of chaos to it. So what we ended up deciding was, okay, blue will be king of copying, but we're going to make red, um, we gave red instant copying. And what I mean by that is um, temporary copying, maybe it's a better, a better term for it. Um, so the idea is if you copy something in blue, most of the time um, you've copied it, right? I copy it for the rest of the game, my thing is a copy, like a clone. Maybe we have doppelgangers where you can change what it is. But the idea is mostly when I'm cloning in blue, when I'm copying, especially permanents, hey, I'm permanently copying and I don't have that. Um, the idea we played around in red is, well, maybe red's the one that is, because it's all about surprise and doing things you don't expect, that we would give red the temporary stuff. So that might mean target creature becomes a copy until end of turn. Make a token, uh, usually with haste, and then sacrifice it at end of turn. Um, you know, red still got to do spells because spells are sort of here and gone. You know, I, I, I zap you in the moment. Um, but the idea is red is a little more about I'm using the copy effect as a surprise element to do something at one moment in time. I'm trying to surprise you and do something. Um, now, one of the things you'll see as I, as I walk through the colors because copying is fun, uh, and we think the players generally like it, we have, we, it's one of, the, one of the mechanics that we stretch a little bit more than, than others. 
Um, so one of the rules is, uh, like Red, for example, we don't normally let Red do long-term copying, but we make a few exceptions. For example, if I was going to turn you into a dragon, eh, that's pretty Red. Uh, and Red already has access to copying. So we do let Red do a little bit of permanent copying if it's like really in Red's wheelhouse of what it's making. You know, turning a dragon would be the perfect example. Okay, so um, basically, oh, the other thing in blue is um, we, blue tends to do a, a little bit of transformational stuff, uh, but what we've done is red is more likely it's temporary and I copy something, where blue is it's, te- it's temporary, but I tell you what it is. I'm turning you into a 1-1 one, one with no abilities till end of turn. Or I'm turning my creature into a 4-4 flying creature until end of turn. You know, um, that blue, when it makes transformational things, tends to lock it in. Meaning that blue's not a surprise. You know what you're getting. Where red is a little more like, what is this? What's going on? Um, That red has a little bit of that chaotic feel in the instant stuff. So instant copying, more red. Um, Blue is king of copying. Blue can do most anything. If there's a reason to do instant or temporary copying in blue for some larger purpose that feels very blue. It's not that it's off limits to blue. Blue is primary in copying. Um, but by default, that is a red thing. Okay, so let's talk about the other colors. Um, so, uh, there's a... Oh, let me, let me walk through real quickly. The One of the things that we experimented over time with copying is that there are a lot of different things you can copy. Obviously, you can take a permanent and you can copy it. And like I said... Over time, we let you... I mean, we have done copy anything. I don't, I don't know if we've... Um, well, I, I guess we've done some blue cards that have copied Planeswalkers. I think they, I think we've done... Anyway, we, we've made most of copy a permanent. You can become that permanent. Um, blue... Uh, also, we've we messed around with copying spells, obviously. Uh, but with Interstep, went a little bit further. What if we could copy Enter the Battlefield effects? That was P- Penharmicon. Um... What if we could copy, you know, activated abilities? What if we could copy things out of the graveyard and different stuff like that? So we started finding ways to chop things up. Um, And as we found more ways to do things, it allowed access to other colors. Okay, so probably the color that I would call tertiary in copying, although every color, technically speaking, uh, blue's primary, red secondary, and the other three colors all are tertiary in that there's a little bit that we let them have. Let's walk through that. Uh, green is next. So green is the next. So green, um, in the early days, we used to do this effect we liked in green, where you could go and get other copies of, of creatures that you have on the battlefield. Green has the ability to go get creatures out of a library. Um, but the idea we liked is, instead of you go getting the creature you don't have, it lets you double down on the creature you do have. And we thought that was a cool effect in green. Um, then what we realized is a similar thing to go getting a creature out of your library and put it on the battlefield is just copying your own creature. Um, so we started letting green do a little bit of copying its own creatures. It still could also fetch stuff out of the library, but in a, in a, in a world with like Commander with Singleton, that effect does not work in Commander, where copying your own does. Um, green also does a lot of token making. We've let green copy some, you know, do some copy token. Um, I'll talk about white in a second, but propagate... Uh, propagate, yeah, propagate. Propagate was the Selesny mechanic in Return to Ravnica, th- that block. Um, and the idea is that 
Uh, we let green and we let white copy tokens. Uh, and and um, I think it just copies your it just copies your token. So it's, it's a subset of green in that green can copy its own things. Now wh- I'll get to white in a second. One of the things that uh, green. Um, one of the arguments, the Council of Colors argues about copying in green all the time. Um, there's some things that everybody's on board on. We like green self-copying when it's like uh, self-copying itself, uh, like oozes and things like that, where it, it breaks apart, but it, it's copies of itself. Um, and we like some amount of copying its own things. Uh, the big thing that we've been starting moving toward is that we want it to be more about doing green things with copying and less doing blue things with copying. And what we mean by that is we like it when the point of the spell is more I'm getting big, beefy creatures and less I'm copying small um, uh, utility things. Like, blue is more about the control and build up utility. Green is more about, like, make more of your giant things. And so as we're making green copying, A, it's limited to your own stuff, but B... um, We've more been looking for effects that sort of play in the idea of, hey, it's going to help me take my board presence and magnify my board presence. I'm not stealing my opponent's creatures. I'm not copying my opponent's creatures. I'm not accessing things that I don't have access to. I'm not using it more for utility than for sort of volume and size. Um, So we still let green do it, but green does it a lot less. Um, Blue does copying effects every set. Red does copying effects every year, not necessarily every set, but, um, you know, mo- most sets, a lot of sets, red does it. And then green is like, hey, maybe once a year, maybe once every other year. Like, green effects are a lot less. Um, okay, get, get to black. So black, in my mind, is number four. Um, first off, we've found some fun of copying things out of the graveyard. Um, ironically, we made a blue card that did that in Planar Chaos, but... We were sort of... It was planar cast, so we were messing around. Uh, Body Double, I think was that, the name of that spell. That lets you clone a creature out of the graveyard, which, shocker, is a lot like reanimation. That's what we were playing with in uh, Planar Chaos. Anyway, black obviously can reanimate things, which is not technically copying, but is very similar to copying. Um, you know, I mean, for example, if we made a black creature that copied a creature in your graveyard... That is not that dissimilar to reanimating it. Um, when we do things that copy stuff out of the graveyard, sometimes we'll copy abilities or copy act- activated abilities or the keyword abilities. Or, or uh, We don't copy keywords specifically, but we'll, we'll name the ones you can copy. Um, so anyway, black will do a little bit of that playing around with death. Um, we also have done... Black is the one other color that we've done clones that can copy the opponent's stuff. Um... There's something about, like, the evil twin feel that has a black uh, feel to it. I mean, the actual evil twin is blue-black. Um, but the uh, usually if we do that in black, we don't do it a lot, and there's usually some other rider to it. There's some cost to it. Um, like, a common thing is, like, well, you can copy it, but you're losing life. Like there's a, it comes at a real cost for you to do that. Um, but black is the one color... Well, I'm sorry... Red can copy opponent stuff temporarily. Blue can copy opponent stuff. And black is the one other stuff that can permanently copy opponent stuff. But like I said, not too often and with, with an additional cost. Um, white is probably the color that does the least amount of copying. Um, propagate. So the copying of tokens is the one area we've given white. Um, we like the idea of white building its army. Uh, and so 
the idea of I keep getting more of, of little creatures is something that we like in white. So we do let it do that. Um, the, the, the big thing to keep in mind here is that we generally think that copying is... I mean, every effect is fun for somebody, right? Everybody loves it. It's something that everybody loves. It goes, ooh, I love this thing. That's exciting that I could do this. Um, but there are certain effects that have a more um, just uniform appeal. Not that everybody likes them, but, you know, it's generally more popular. And I would put copying into that larger category. Um, that it, it is, it is funny. There are certain things that I really enjoy, like copying and doubling things. And one could argue copying and doubling are kind of the same thing. But um, those happen to be very popular with the players. So uh, my, my love of magic overlaps with a lot of people's love of magic. Um, so... We do, we do try to find opportunity. Like we, the idea of cloning things is a lot of fun. Um, the the big difference right now, uh, and the reason we'll have a lot of arguments in console colors is, it's not that we don't like copying and have it spread out a little bit. We just want to make sure that it's carved up enough and that it's distinct enough. You know that if you're, it's like we don't want everybody just saying, "I'm going to copy my opponent's best creature." Somebody should do that, mainly blue. Um, you know, black can do it in very skinny cases, but the other colors, you know, and maybe red doesn't temporarily, but we, we want to really make sure that we mix up and differentiate what's doing what. Um, I'm happy to say that, um, unlike early magic, where we were very cautious with our copy effects, probably because of the rules, um, we've definitely embraced them. Um, I, before I did this, I, I looked, you know, and there's like seven pages of copy cards, you know. Um, it is definitely something that magic has leaned into, uh, I think in Commanders especially that there's a lot of fun that goes on with copying. So it, it is definitely something we've leaned into and that we enjoy. Um, but it, it took a little while to get there. Like one of the things that to me when I tell these little stories about the history of magic is there are things that, you know, 30 years in that we know are just, hey, these are cool things um, that took us a little while to figure out the component pieces. Part of it was... A rule thing, but part of it just was—I um, I don't know. Like the the, we have a lot more data than we did back in the day. Like back in the day, it was a lot of sort of gut. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I would interact with the audience and stuff, but it, it was more anecdotal than than data. You know, and, uh, that it was. I would talk to people and I would learn things, and I had a pretty good gut for what I thought players liked, um, but you know, you would get into meetings and have that argument and nowadays, like, we can just pull up actual data. Do people like this? Well, here's the most popular cards from the last N sets. Hey, look how many of these are whatever effect that you're trying to talk about. So, there's... The the nice thing about having the data um, means that we have more of a sense of what players like in a way that we can do it. And the other thing I think is um, there's a there's a snowball effect where you have to sort of convince R&D that people like something. And once you get over that hump, we start making more of those things. And that the more we make, the more people can interact with it. And so um, it, people liking it becomes louder. And so a lot of early magic was trying to get that snowball rolling. Um, and copying was one of those things that I, I took under my wing. So I was, I'm quite happy with, with the proliferation of copy effects. I think it is a fun effect. Anyway, so... 
just so you guys are aware, a little update on uh, making magic into the new building. Or not making magic, drive to work in the new building. So normally, uh, we used to be in a different part of Renton. We're still in Renton, but a different part. Uh, and when, we, when, I, when I would be in that part of Renton, it was a 30-minute drive. So when I would drive uh, from work to Renton, assuming there was no traffic, I would get there usually between 28 and 30 minutes. That's how long it took to get there, which was, as regular readers will know, about the exact time it took uh, for uh, a drive-to-work episode. Uh, nowadays, we are about five minutes closer. Um, so I, if there isn't traffic, although, as you'll see from my other podcasts, so far, I've had a bunch of traffic. Uh, if there isn't traffic, I actually get to work closer to 25. But one of the things I've decided is I think around 30 minutes, like at bare minimum, it should be close to 30 minutes. You know, 28, 29, I'll accept. But it should be close to 30 minutes. So um, if I have traffic, I a lot of times when I, I get to the office, I will stop. But um, we actually, the way it works is there are different parking levels. So um, parking A and B are supposed to be for the, there's a hotel across the street. So we're supposed to park at parking C and above. So the joke is don't park below C level. Um, so anyway, I have to drive up. So uh, today there was no traffic. I got here right on time. So I literally, I'm um, continue talking while I'm driving up. So I'm trying to use that extra time to get you guys, um, to make sure I get to 30 minutes. But anyway, guys, I'm, I'm not parked. But um, I, even if I have to talk a little bit after parking, I will do so to make sure that we get a full uh, time. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, copying, like I said, is a near and dear um, near and dear uh, effect to me, something we keep doing. Luckily, I think I've got a lot of other people in on, and well, I think we, uh, R&D's realized how much the players like it, um, and so, but there's a lot of other fans of copy effects in beside me, so a lot of people make copy effects, so there's infinite copy effects these days. So anyway, uh, that is uh, everything I have to say about copying. So now that I'm part, uh, it is time for me to go to work. So we all, we all know that means this is the end of my drive to work, so instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. Hope you guys enjoyed it, uh, and I will see you all next time. Bye-bye.